Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. verses and then skip down to verse 8. And there happened to be there a man of Belial whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. Verse 8, And when they were at the great stone which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him, and upon yet a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in a sheath or in the sheath thereof. As he went forth, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. And Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasa waddled in blood in the midst of the highway. And when the man saw, all the people stood still. He removed Amasa out of the highway in the field and cast a cloth upon him. And when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still, when he was removed out of the highway, all of the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. Now, I know this is a very gruesome and um, graphic scene here, but there's something that I want to derive from this. I want you to look at verse 12. And Amasa waddled in the blood of the midst of the highway, and when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him. And when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still, when he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. I want to speak for the next few moments upon this subject. Drag it off the road. Drag it off the road. Let's pray that the Lord help us tonight speak to our hearts. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to minister to your people tonight, this church. 
I pray, Lord, that you would help someone through your word. I pray that you would anoint us to accomplish your will here this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to feel your presence. I pray, oh God, that you would move and have your way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, would you give praise to him right now? Would you give thanks to him? Hallelujah. All across this place, let's give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to back up just a little bit from this text, 2 Samuel chapter number 20. And I want to give you the backdrop or a little background information as what to let, let up to this story. Uh, we know this is very dramatic. And uh, what I read to you tonight, as I've said, is very graphic. But there is reasons for this. And I want you to be able to understand why these situations occurred. We understand that as time went on and division came into David's family, that uh, there were those that opposed him. And this family squabble that was going on between him and his son Absalom grew to the point that Absalom would lead a revolt against his very own father, David. We know from reading about the biography of Absalom that he was a very charming individual. He had long flowing hair. He was someone that with his charisma was able to attract and was appealing to people and able to deceive them into following him. It's very obvious that he was not that God called man to lead Israel and to be Israel's king. But he found a chink in David's armor. And in a point of weakness in David's life, as he was growing elderly, and because of these continual problems that were occurring, some by his own doing in his family, uh, Absalom was able to curry some favor with the people and to lead a rebellion against his father. And he came to siege the city of Jerusalem. And instead of making war in that city, instead of making war against his own son, Absalom, someone that he loved, someone that was dear to his heart, he did not want any harm for him. Instead of making battle, the Bible says that he simply walked away. And uh, he left that city, a city that really he had established as the capital city of Israel. He was the one that had brought the Ark of the Covenant there. And they said, David, at least if you are going to leave without a fight, at least take the things that you have brought here. You know, you know Absalom doesn't have any respect for uh, the Ark of the Covenant. He doesn't really have any respect for God the things of God, so why don't you take the ark along with you? And David very wisely said, leave it in its place. And he said this, he said, if the Lord is going to bring me back, then he will do so. And if it's the Lord's will that this be the end of my reign as king, then so be it. But it's in the hands of the Lord. He very wisely did not respond to the men that mocked him as he was leaving. There was one by the name of Shimei that called him names and cursed him, the Bible said. But he did not respond. He simply let him curse. And there were mighty men that said, 
I would like to take up for you, David. If you'll allow me to, I'll put him to death. I'll shut his mouth, in other words. But he said, just simply let him curse. If it's the will of God, I will be brought back in God's time. There's a lesson to be learned in that. That we don't have to respond to everything. We don't have to respond to every accusation. We don't have to respond to everything that people would bring uh, against us or or the enemy would would bring against us but we put it in the hands of God and sometimes the wisest thing that you can do is simply not respond amen let God do the responding for you he said vengeance is mine saith the Lord I will repay God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap. We have to trust the Word of God. We have to trust that He knows uh, uh, what the score is and that He keeps good records. He keeps good books. And He's going to repay. And He is going to render what needs to be done. And He's going to judge right in the end. And so sometimes we forfeit God coming through for us and fighting our battles because we get too involved. Because we take up for ourselves. It's just in human nature. I'm not going to let anybody run over me. I'm not going to let anybody take advantage of me. I'm not going to let anybody talk to me like that. Well, David gives us an example that sometimes it's, it's better to let God do the talking. Sometimes it's better to let God do the, the work of the battle and the fight. Amen. And not dirty your hands with it. David had learned in time. It was not because of the lack of courage. It was not because of the lack of ability. He was a man that had fought giants. This is a man that had brought Goliath down. This is a man that had fought Philistines from the day he was anointed until the day he died. He was fighting Philistines. But he understood there's some battles and there's some things that I simply have to stand back and let God take care of. Oh, there's a lesson to be learned there, folks. Uh, amen. That if you'll let God, He'll work it out. Uh, if you'll let God take care of it, He will take care of the situation. Praise the Lord. And God always gets the last word in situations of our life. But it came a time, just as David had proposed, that he was brought back to Jerusalem. Absalom was slain in the battlefield by Joab when his hair that that he had taken so much pride in was caught in the boughs of an oak and he hung the bible said between heaven and earth what a uh what a precarious place to be caught in hanging there defenseless and joab came and the bible said thrust darts through his heart and slew him on the battlefield it's interesting to me that he was caught there in the wood because the Bible said that the wood in that day devoured more than the sword. In other words, the terrain and the battlefield that they were fighting on was so rugged and so, and so, uh, uh, such a wilderness area that it destroyed more than even people, men that were trained to use the sword and the spear was able to destroy. Amen. I'm going to tell you, in life, uh, just life circumstances, it's not always enemy. It's not always the enemy that causes people to lose out with God. It's not always the devil.
devil as big and bad as we try to make him be that can be blamed for people backsliding sometimes. Sometimes it's the circumstances of life and the battleground and the battlefield that they're fighting on that destroys them. The cares of life that chokes out the seed. The scripture tells us about Jesus taught that parable. He said, you got to beware of those things. There's good seed that falls among thorns. And he likened that to the cares of life. And just when it's getting ready to bear forth fruit, it's the cares of life that choke it out. It's the cares of life that restrain it from becoming what it's supposed to become and fulfilling its purpose. We don't want to let the cares of life do anything to destroy our purpose in God. Can I preach to you that we know what to do with the cares of life? The Bible said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a place we can go with our cares. There's a place we can take our burdens. There's a place, a prayer, a prayer closet that we can go to and we can talk to the Lord about the circumstances of our life. You believe that? Why don't you clap your hands to Him right now? But after this victory, if you will, was won, Absalom had been taken care of. And even David was able to go back to the city of Jerusalem. The battle was not over. It seemed like there was coup upon coup that was taking place. There was challenges to his throne and to his power and to his authority coming from every direction. You know, there's, there's, there's bandwagon folks and there's bandwagon spirits that exist in the world. In other words, when they see one attempting, uh, they'll try to, try to jump on the bandwagon and uh, get in on the action. And uh, they knew what this took out of David. And perhaps David is a little weaker now. And so we're going to challenge him. We're going to come against him. And there was uh, uh, this one man that uh, uh, began to challenge uh, challenge David and his authority and made this decree and blew a trumpet, the Scripture says, and said, we don't have any part of David. Israel, I want you to go to your tent. He said it with such authority. Uh, and, and so many of them were obedient to do so. He said, we don't have any part of this son of Jesse. I mean, who is he to rule over us? I know uh, that he is the one that slew the giant. I, I realize that he is one that led Israel to victory time over again. But that's in the past, and he's an older man now. And I see some weakness there, and we understand that for the last little while, it seems that he's had to flee the capital city of Jerusalem just to survive and to live. And now's my time, and this is my chance to assert myself. I'm going to tell you, 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 you must be wary of spirits that come around in times when you've been struggling, and you've been battling, and you've been challenged on every side. There's always going to be a spirit that's going to try to assert itself and get a foothold in your life. That's why the Bible said, neither give place to the devil. You can't let him. You can't entertain those thoughts. You can't, you can't go there in your attitude or in your spirit. You can't allow that to happen in your life. You gotta stay on top of it. You gotta stay in the prayer room. You gotta stay worshiping. You gotta stay faithful to 
the house of God. I'm going to tell you, it's in those times when you're challenged that you feel like, well, I'm a little weary, and I think I'll just lay out. No, I'll, I'll sling back a little bit. I won't put as much into it. I won't worship near as intense. I won't pray near as fervently. No, brother. No, sister. That's when you need to pray more. That's when you need to worship more intensely. That's when you need to be the most faithful is when you're challenged on every side. Praise God. Come on, let's cup our hands and give a little praise unto God. This man, Sheba, uh, makes this statement. But there is another man that had been a leader in Absalom's army, but he comes to the realization that he's on the wrong side of things. He's actually a nephew of David. A man by the name of Amasa. And he, David, looks to. David, in other words, is a man that is willing to give someone that's made a mistake. But realizes they made a mistake. He's willing to extend mercy to them. And give them a chance. Give them a chance to correct their wrongs. And get on the right side of things and fulfill the purpose of God for their life. You know, he could have held it over Amasa's head. He could have looked down at him and said, When I needed you the most to be loyal to me, you followed after Absalom, and you caused me much havoc. But he didn't do that. When Amasa realized and repented of what he had done, he said, I'm going to give you another chance. No wonder David is called a man after God's own heart. A man that not only received mercy, but could give mercy. I know a lot of people that's received mercy, but they're not very good at giving mercy. God help us to be people that's not just receivers of mercy, but people that are willing to relinquish mercy, willing to give mercy to somebody else that is in desperate need of it. Hallelujah. And so, this man, Amasa, is commanded by David. He said, I, I want you to go after and take care of this man, Sheba. And as he is assembling things together, Joab, who has been the captain of the host of David's army, a man that David had relied on for many years. But at the end of David's life, we'll notice that there are some things that David was aware of all along that was wrong in the life and the heart of Joab. He, he told his son Solomon when he was to take over as king, he said, you're going to have to deal with him. You're going to have to take care of him. As a matter of fact, if you read that, that story when he's transferring power over to Solomon, you'll find that he basically gave him a to-do list, and one of those things was you're going to have to deal with Joab. Because there's a lot of things we could preach about Joab tonight. He had an unhealthy attitude of competition. And uh, when he, because uh, uh, when, when the men rose up to play and he was all for this and kind of suggested that this was okay. And they rose up to joust against one another and those games got out of hand. And that, that time of, of competition sort of got out of hand and a man was killed and his life was taken. And it was Joab that never forgot that. And it's Joab that went back and slew the man that had slew his brother. That was the type of man that Joab was. 
And Joab is now standing before Amasa, meets him. And maybe it's because he feels as though David should have asked him, should have appointed him to be a part of this vigilante party to go out and to take care of Sheba. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Amasa has no idea that Joab has murder in his heart when he approaches him. Amasa has no idea what lays in store for him and that beneath his cloak is a weapon, a sword that he intends to place in his fifth rib, which again is something that Joab is proficient at because we see this another in another account where he does this very same thing to a man by the name of Abner in the gate of the city of refuge. And it's Joab that again, because of what's in his heart, is going to deceive this man and take his life. And when he least expected it, when he was receiving a greeting and a few kind words that were not spoken from sincerity, but was spoken in deception from Joab, that he reaches and he takes that sword. And Maso was a, he, this was not something he was expecting at all. This was not something that he was anticipating. But he, he doesn't even notice that he takes the sword and he thrusts it through his fifth rib into his lung. And this man begins to gurgle on his own blood and falls down in the road. And as he's there writhing, and wallowing, the Bible says, in his own blood. Now you get a very graphic picture here of what's going on. He's still breathing his last gasping breaths of air. And life is very quickly fleeing from him. He has no strength to fight. And uh, there's these men that are going to join in this purpose of the king and that is to go and defend their king and to take Sheba's life and yet the scripture says that this man Amasa is laying in the road when all of them are assembled together to go on that road after Sheba and he's writhing and he's wallowing in his own blood and he's dying and finally, he takes his last breaths of air. And maybe Joab says, all right, fellas, let's go on with what we set out to do. It's our purpose to defend the king. It's our purpose to go after Sheba on this road that he fleed from us on. We're going to go after him. And the Bible says when they would reach the place where Amasa was, that they stopped and it was a, such a ghastly sight. It was such a horrible scene that they could go no further. In fact, it uses the words that they stopped. Stopped. And they could go no further. And when he realized this, he knew that something had to be done. It's very interesting to me, and I realize that, that Sheba was an enemy of God's purpose, I do realize the connotation here and the context here, but just for the sake of what I want to preach here tonight, 
I think it's ironic that Sheba's name means in the Hebrew promise. There was there on the road pursuing promise. And the scripture says they were stopped by a horrific scene. They were stopped by the death of someone that they respected and that they uh, looked up to. They, they were stopped by a tragedy that had occurred on the road in pursuit of promise. Can I preach to you that it happens not just in this Old Testament account, but it happens over and over again in the child of God's life when in pursuit of greatness, when in pursuit of the promises of God, when in pursuit of revival, when in pursuit of God's blessing, when in pursuit of greater anointing, when in pursuit of a prayer that should be answered in your life, when in pursuit of the purpose of God, something tragic happens, something unexpected occurs, something stops the progress and everything is drawn to a halt and everybody's looking there as they watch in a horrific situation and say how can I go any further how can I progress anymore everything seems to be halted at this point it doesn't appear that I can go anymore it's interesting that the people that are going are Judah and we know what Judah means. Praise was stopped. Everything is drawn to a halt. Oh, the hope of a promise is abated. Everything is stalled out at this moment because of a situation that was unexpected. Something that no one anticipated ever happening. Even the man that it was happening to did not have uh, any idea that this was going to occur. He was so unguarded. He was so trusting. He was so open. And yet this horrific situation took place. Can I preach to you that it happens? Amen. People on the road to promise. On the road to great potential. On the road to being used of God in a great way. On the road to seeing God work wonders in their life. God anoint them. And God bless them for whatever reason. And it could be a myriad of reason. It's not just one thing. It's not just one situation. It's not just one circumstance. But while on that road, and I'm going to tell you the road of life has a lot of curves. It has a lot of chasms. It has a lot of things that we've got to overcome. But there's some things that when we look at it, it's ghastly to look at. When we look at it, we wonder, how can we go any further? How can we put a light back together and make any progress whatsoever? But I want to tell you that there is something that every one of us has to do when we reach that point. There's something that every one of us has to do in order to continue on the pursuit of our promise. When Joab realized this whole mission is going to be aborted if something doesn't happen, if something doesn't take place, this whole thing is going to stop and we're never going to get any further. And the enemy of the king is going to be able to flee. Our promise is going to get away. We're never going to be able to pursue the purpose and the will of the king in our life if we stay here. So what did he do? The Bible clearly says 
that he drug him off to the side of the road, out of the way. Oh, that took courage. Amen. This was a lifeless body. This was something that in Israel's time and under the law, you couldn't touch a dead body. It was against the law to touch a dead body. But he said, I've got to do something drastic. I've got to go further. I've got to do more. I can't allow this to stop me or hinder me and the purpose and the will of the king being done. I've got to pull it off the road. And he didn't stop there. But he took a cloak and he covered it. And he said, now we can go on. Now that it's covered up and you don't have to look at it anymore. We can go on and fulfill the purpose that God has for us and the purpose that the king has called us and challenged us to. Can I tell you that there's people right here in this building you've had some things that have occurred on the road of life, on the road to pursuing your potential, on the road to pursuing the promise that God has in store for you. What you felt God had called you to do and something stopped you in your track and you wondered will I ever be able to progress past this will I ever outlive this horrific situation will I ever overcome this I have such graphic images in my mind there's such a, there's such heartache involved with this it seems like it was not only the death of a man but it's the death of progress it's the death of pursuit of the promise it's the death of a dream it's the death of a journey that needs to be fulfilled. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to stop there. You don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with that nagging, that nagging voice that says you can't go any further. But tonight somebody can drag it off the road and walk on and pursue your promise. Somebody lift up your voice with me right now. Somebody give praise to him right now. Somebody glorify him with me right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not going to preach much longer, but I feel this in my heart. I've had these scriptures on my mind for a while now. And just waiting on the right time and the right nudge to go this direction. But sometimes you got to drag some things that would normally stop you and that would cause pause and that would cause you to be hindered. Yea, stopped. And everything to come to a halt. You got to have the courage to drag it off the, off the road as ghastly as it may seem. So, well, I don't want to deal with it. You're, you're not going to be able to go any further ignoring it. You know what? I've seen people try in their own attempts to ignore things and act like it doesn't exist. Try to turn their head the other way. Try to sweep it under the rug, if you will, in their mind. Only to have those things that are not dealt with to creep back up decades and years later because they were not dealt with properly on the road. Only to have to make a long journey right back around to the same place 
to the same point, to the same horrific scene, only to experience the same graphic image that they saw the first time. Because why? It wasn't ever dealt with. Because there's some things that only the blood can cover. Human attempts cannot, cannot cover it. Counseling, while it has its place, it cannot completely cover it. Oh, come on, somebody. We believe what the Bible says. Oh, wow. Wow, there's I'm gonna tell you, you can't medicate some things. You can't you you can't you can't forget about it no matter how much you meditate on something else. Uh, you can't have power over it through just your mind and make it up your mind. That's not how it's gonna happen. You're gonna have to deal with it in an altar. You're gonna have to get down on your knees and say, God, help me to drag this out of the way. Help me, God, tonight uh, in this service right now to overcome this in my mind. And in my spirit, only through the power of the Holy Ghost can you have a transformation in your mind. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. It can renew your mind. You don't have to conform to that same old cycle. You don't have to conform to that same old way. But you can deal with this and have deliverance. We've heard a lot of preaching lately along these lines. Anybody remember the message? Anybody remember the message? Burials and birth. Amen. Praise God. There was something in me that leapt because I knew what I'd been feeling. I knew what God had been stirring me up about. I knew it doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how long that you try to act like it doesn't exist, David. It doesn't matter how long you act like what Saul did didn't happen. Amen. You can leave those boys out there all you want to, but it's not going to rain again. And there's not going to be. There's not going to be. Amen the blessings of God on your kingdom until you deal with that. It's not going to be until you take and bury those things that you're going to see the blessings of the Lord flowing again. You cannot ignore that. You cannot act like it don't exist. I know we sometimes say, well, that's in the past. I don't want to talk about it. I realize I'm not just here to conjure up things. What I am telling you is there's a way to deal with things. Get delivered from things. Overcome things. Get victory in your life. Why don't you stand with me right now? Musicians, come. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I know I haven't preached a long time. Didn't feel like I needed to preach a long time tonight. I could preach this seven ways from Sunday and keep driving this same point home, but I think you ought to get the point by now. I said, I think you ought to get the point by now. God's trying to speak to you. It's time to deal with that. It's time to overcome that. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a, a shortfall in your life. Maybe it's something that you continually deal with. and You try to hide. You try to hide it from your spouse. You try to hide it from your children. You try to hide it from other folks around you. But it just keeps resurfacing. And you know it's there. You know it's not dealt with. But tonight, somebody needs to take control of it. Tonight in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to get victory over tonight in the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's not even something that is something you've done. 
a choice you made. Something that you perpetrated. Maybe, maybe you are just an innocent bystander. Unexpectedly as a massa. You was expected to be greeted. You was expecting anything but what you received. You was not expecting harm and hurt and devastation and pain. That was not what you was expecting. You didn't realize that Joab had a sword. It was going to hurt. There's going to be pain involved. But can I tell you, you can go on hating Joab and what Joab did for the rest of your life and it's not going to help you. It's not going to help your family. It's not going to help your children. It's not going to help your present relationships. It's not going to help anything. Matter of fact, it's going to deteriorate every one of those areas. Every one of those things. Slowly, like a cancer, it's going to continue to ebb away. A little bit at a time, like a termite colony of termites in a hole. Beneath the sheetrock, beyond the interior walls, beyond brick and mortar, and what you can see, they're eating away. The structure and the fiber of what makes the house stand. Slowly, they just do their work out of sight. Nobody knows about it until it's too late. Why don't you deal with it? I said, why don't you deal with it now? Why don't you give God an opportunity? Why don't you get deliverance from it? Why don't you give that secret set up? Why don't you give that secret bitterness up? Why don't you give that secret hurt that you've nurtured and you've harbored and you've protected and you've felt justified in? Well, I know this is personal. And I know this scene is graphic. But it's all there for a reason. It's all there for a purpose. I've seen people that were abused because that was not properly dealt with. Maybe at the time they didn't even know how to deal with it. It wasn't their fault because they didn't deal with it. Maybe they just didn't know how to deal with it. That abusive situation opens up a door for a spirit to come in. And I don't say this to make anybody fearful. I just say what I feel in the Holy Ghost. But I can't tell you how many times as an evangelist, and as a pastor, I prayed with people who were trying to overcome levels of oppression and in some cases even position because of some type of abuse that brought in a hurt and a fear. And the devil was able to get a stronghold in their mind and their heart. And that thing began to grow instead of the grace of God growing this thing that was foreign began to grow. Instead of the goodness of God and the, and the blood of Jesus covering and cleansing and healing that, they allowed that thing to expand and grow until it snuffed out any life, any hope, 
any real purpose. I'm going to tell you, you can act like it don't exist, but that doesn't mean it doesn't. You can go on ignoring it, but that doesn't mean that it's healed or eradicated. But there's a God who said, I come to bind up the brokenhearted. I come to set at liberty them that are bruised. A bruise and an inward hurt. It's internal bleeding. Amen. I come to set at liberty them that are bruised. I believe that's what he wants to do in this room tonight. And if this doesn't touch you, and if it doesn't get anywhere near you or what you're dealing with, thank God. I'm so happy for you. But there's people in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. They have internal struggles. They have internal hurts. They have pain that they deal with on the daily that God wants them to be delivered of here tonight. So God's going to give us an opportunity to get back on the road to the promise. God's going to give us an opportunity to make progress again. We've been at a standstill. There's been a roadblock and this is not the will of God for our lives. Nobody else can do it for you. You've got to have the courage You've got to realize it's me. The Word of God is pinpointed. And I don't know people's individual. I know some, but I, 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 I'm not preaching to any one person tonight. I'm preaching what I feel in the Lord. That God's given you an opportunity. You have a choice to make. I can continue to nurture this and continue to allow myself to be handicapped by this and continue to make excuses about this the rest of my life or I can take responsibility and drag it off the road tonight because God's given me an opportunity to heal. God's given me an opportunity to go on. And I don't want it not only to hinder me, but God forbid it ever hinder anybody that I'm an influence of. Hallelujah. God forbid. I pray every day as a pastor of this church, don't let me be an impediment to one person in this church. Don't let me be an impediment to one person receiving what they need from God. I think every father ought to pray that prayer. Every mother ought to pray that prayer. God, don't let me be an impediment. Every young person ought to pray. God, don't let me be an impediment to any other young person in this group. I not only need to see your promise fulfilled in my life, but I want to see them reach their potential. Would you come and drag it off the road tonight?